Hey everyone, welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. I am so excited today to expose you listeners that haven't that are maybe later in on the podcast to Dr. Uche Odiatu. And honestly, I feel like he needs no introduction. He is, I think, our only three-peat guest, which is so awesome. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear him talk and you're going to know why. Um, Uche has this incredible energy about him. He has is absolutely passionate about health and wellness, nutrition, moving our bodies. And if you've never heard him speak in person, you have to go do that. Uh, it is a total experience. It's not a lecture that you just sit through. You get up and you move your body and it's engaging and you will not forget it. So without further ado, I want to say welcome, Uche. We are so excited to have you with us tonight. Hey, always a pleasure sharing. I love this topic. I, I love the, the, the group that you've harnessed. So I'm ready to go. Yeah. So the title of this podcast is Better Body, Better Brain. And I know, again, this is one of the things I love about you. You are such a growth-minded person. You're never, you're never stagnant. You're always learning more and stretching yourself. So tell us the latest and greatest. What are you delving into? What are you understanding when it comes to health and brain health specifically? Well, I think people are terrified, it appears, of losing their mind and their cognitive ability, forgetting names. You hear people in that 35, 40 crowd saying, I walk into a room, I forget why I'm there. And they get a vague sense, how am I going to look after my practice? How am I going to look after my patients? Who's going to look after my family? So people often think, okay, cancers can be treatable. Uh, Heart disease, they've done a very good job, you know, treating it. You can do surgery, there's medication. For the brain and memory loss and age-related memory loss and cognitive decline, there's literally nothing. There's actually three or four prescription medications and they're not even sure how well they work. So that being said, I'm always about looking for other reasons why people need to take care of themselves. So if it's not the cosmetic, let's start looking at brain health and how it make, makes your memory better, and how it increases emotional intelligence, and it makes you do everything you do better at work um, and at home. So that's basically the my little topic that I've been <laughs> reading about. But it, it's, it's massive, though. There's a tsunami of evidence coming up the pike. So I know in dentistry, you know, obviously there's so much that we focus on in dentistry when we think about patient care, but we always like to say we can't give out of a place of deficit. And, you know, dentistry involves a lot of brain power. We're communicating all day long. We're using our clinical skills. We're creating treatment plans. We're we're educating, we're communicating. We need to be at the top of our game. And, you know, I think that for a long time we thought, you know, yeah, I need to eat better and I need to exercise so that I can, you know, take care of myself. But we don't necessarily apply that to how it's going to make us function from a mental standpoint. Mm -hmm. No, I I see it. People, 
think about their body. No one ever says, this year I'm going to get smarter. This year I'm going to improve my memory. I'm going to start working on my brain this summer. I'm going to reinvent myself January 1st to work on my brain. I've never heard it. And every New Year's resolution, smoking, stopping booze, uh, start working out, um, dieting, no one ever talks about brain health. So uh, with dental industry professionals, like hygienists, dentists, assistants, the whole team, having a good brain, it's worth its weight in gold. You, you, you think of a new dentist that comes on board and you think, oh, uh, her IQ is 140 or my, my, your new assistant, uh, Sharice, is, uh, has an amazing memory. Right away, you're thinking, can't wait to meet them. You know, so, oh, my, the new hygienist has a six pack. You're like, okay, how's that going to help us at the office? You know, so, so this idea of having this better central processing unit is, is massive. I, I, as I talk to you, I realize how important it is. And I see it when um, I'll be talking to a patient and that the hygienist will think I've read notes about them. I just remember before that they opened up a business or their daughter went to an MBA program. And she goes, and the patient immediately gets impressed. As you know, if you remember patient information, but, and she goes, Dr. Dattu, such a good memory. That's the kind of thing that makes people feel important. Like just improving your memory alone makes people feel less anonymous and less like a number. And it makes them stick to the office like glue. Well, and I think it makes you feel more connected to your patients as well. You know, that there's, there's that engagement of like, oh, I can't wait to see Miss Jones today and ask her how that trip to Italy went. You know, there's mm -hmm. that excitement and, and connection, which is really what we're all about in life. Mm -hmm. I have seen um, a very growing number of patients coming in and they are concerned. Now, granted, I, I have a privilege mm -hmm. of working with a functional medicine doctor right now, oh, and okay. she's sending me a lot of patients. She does salivary testing in her office and then sends them my way to say, hey, can you take care of this? And several of those patients are coming because they've even either learned that they carry genes that might set the table for dementia or they're in the throes of those early stages and they want to mm -hmm. know, hey, you know, what can I, you know, they're after anything they can do to mm -hmm. slow that decline down. So it's interesting. I'm seeing a demand come from the patient aspect as well. Mm -hmm. So if we need it, obviously, as providers and we need the information to provide to our patients, this is kind of your wheelhouse. Tell us, how, what do we need to know? There's many different aspects, though. There's, there's about age-related memory. Let's talk about age-related memory loss. Um, people will often say, oh, I'm, I'm so bad with names. Or, hey, let me look that up. I don't remember a thing. Or they'll say that my, uh, my mom just got diagnosed with dementia and my grandmother had it. I'm terrified. And then you say, well, there's new information that uh, P. gingivalis has been associated with um, cognitive decline. They go, what's P. gingivalis? Oh, it's a, it's an, it's a very destructive um, but bacteria that doesn't like oxygen and it hangs out all around the deepest parts of your mouth. They go, how do I get rid of it? Well, it's good that you're coming here today, but you have a couple of pockets that are deeper than I can get to. And that's how I wanted to see a periodontist. This bacteria has been associated in the brains of people who have um, dementia on, uh, on autopsy. And they go like, um, why am I coming every six months? Uh, can I come every three months? So right away they buy in and they, they trust you. They don't ask you for the the JADA reference. They don't ask right. you for the, how do you spell P. gingivalis? They're thinking, I haven't heard this before. Why am I 52 not hearing this before? And now you seem like you're right on point with that new information. Oh, there's also salivary tests, salivary tests we can do for you today. Uh, insurance might not cover it. Doesn't matter. I'm getting it. So right. it's, it's amazing how quick people get what they want when there's the perceived benefit immediately. And I think that whole Simon Senekin, you tell me why. 
or your why and a why, now they buy in. But if you tell them this is good for you, uh, give me a big why. Give me a big, you know, altruistic, all-encompassing why. Yeah. Talk to me about why and how, like the science behind why does moving my body keep my brain younger? Yeah, great question. It's, it's, a, it's a basic pump. They think of the heart being a pump. People think of the muscle. People think of their legs. They want to get glutes. However, most people don't realize the brain is an oxygen hog. It only weighs three pounds, but it uses 25% of the oxygen coming into your body right now. So you got to think, it only weighs three pounds, so, which I might seem big, but the liver also weighs about, about two-thirds of that, about two pounds, two and a half pounds. But it doesn't use 25% of the oxygen. So anytime you're breathing shallow, the brain is getting starved. Anytime you're upset and breathing into your mouth, the brain is getting starved. If you've slowly gone down in aerobic fitness, they say every year after 20, every, sorry, every decade after 20 that someone doesn't exercise, their, the oxygen carrying capacity of their lungs goes down. So most people who are inactive, the brain is slowly getting starved. So the brain is getting starved, it doesn't work as well. And, and again, I, I like to say things in about a minute to two minutes. So, you know, your listeners and viewers can get this. I like to say it in a way that patients get it. Um, I, I sat in a two-day personal training conference last weekend just to maintain my certification. I'm, a, I'm certified in two different organizations for personal training. And I sat through the note-taking. It's pretty dry. Exercise science is pretty dry. But when I got something that, wow, this is going to pack quite a punch, that's what I write down. That's what I remember. But that alone, you, you tell people a brain weighs three pounds but it uses 25% of the oxygen. The brain only weighs one to 2% of your body weight, but it uses 25% of the oxygen. The minute you start being able to use oxygen better because you're fitter, now the brain's getting premium fuel, premium oxygen, and delivered in the best quantity and how, how and when it wants to. So that alone gets people thinking, I guess I need to start having a walking program. I guess I need to get in shape because I'm, I'm out of breath as I came up into your reception area. So... That one fact alone, if, if, if a hygienist or dentist can remember that. So the three-pound brain, which only weighs one to 2% of the person's body weight, uses 25% of the oxygen. It is an oxygen hog. It is starving for oxygen. So anytime your heart works better and you become more fit aerobically, you're now feeding the brain the way it wants to. And that's why they've shown, and there's other neurotransmitters we can get into, but that's why they've shown healthier people. Uh, when you think of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, 85% of them exercise, 85%, while only 15% of the general population exercises. A CEO, you know, the Apple CEO, and um, think of you know, the politicians, governors, um, many of them think, I need to work out. They have trainers just because they want a better functioning brain. Yeah, that's awesome. And in fact, you just sitting here speaking, I caught myself taking deeper breaths. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, let's get that oxygen moving. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What is, where does the brain fog come in? And and is that a depletion of oxygen? There's many different ways it could be. Just having low blood sugar. Besides the brain being oxygen hog, it's also a glucose hog. It needs about um, a teaspoon, a teaspoon of um, uh, sugar about every hour. That's how much it needs to be fed. That's why when you get, you have low blood sugar or you haven't eaten in a while or you've missed, you work through lunch or whatever it is, all of a sudden you get hangry or you get irritable or you get dozy. That's the brain not being fed what it needs. So um, that, that it also needs regular, regular, regular food to be fed and not in a cotton candy form, which gives it an explosion of energy. It likes sustained energy like vegetables, quinoa, 
you know, brown rice or wild rice or a sweet potato, you know, dosed out in, in a certain portions. And that's why this intermittent fasting thing might be just very trendy, but they're saying that it may not work for ever, work for some people, but this fasting thing may not work for others. Because this whole idea being the brain needs to be fed regularly. And if someone is very insulin resistant or has a lot of unstable, um, unaccessible body fat, which is a source of fuel, the brain is going to get irritated. So anyway, that's a, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but in terms of brain fog, you think of poor oxygenation is one. So yep. poor oxygenation, shallow breathing. If someone's a mouth breather and, and this whole idea about this myofunctional therapy now, I see a lot of hygienists now moving to this portion of using their mouths, using their mouths, finding out tongue posture, looking at dry lips, looking at a high arch. And if people have dark circles under their eyes, people are really shallow breathing into their mouth, um, you know, swollen tonsils, scallop border on the tongue. What it means is their brains aren't going to function well either. So nasal breathing is where it's at. And you look at Hippocrates and Socrates and Plato, you know, 2000 years ago, they had no microphones. But somehow they were able to um, speak to their students all day without a microphone in these huge amphitheaters. But they were famous for every time they did it, they said a couple of sentences, they would take these huge inhales. And I first thought it was comical, but then you realize they were getting oxygen to the brain. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, um, I had some patients here lately that we have been using mouth tape. Mm-hmm. to help them at night. And it's really funny. I had a patient who complained to me, really her issue was, she said, I just feel like I'm waking up during the night having to drink water because my mouth gets so dry and uncomfortable. And I said, do you have any problems breathing through your nose? And she said, no, not at all. I said, okay, I want you to try some mouth tape then. See what it yields. She came back and she said, oh my gosh. She said, so yeah, it makes sense to me that I wouldn't wake with dry mouth. She said, what I didn't anticipate was she wears a, a watch with like a sleep tracker. Okay. She said how much better my quality of sleep got and that I was in the REM cycles longer and I felt more energized in the day. She said, I had no idea. And, you know, exactly to your point, nasal breathing is so, so important. Getting that oxygen to the brain is so, so important. And that's something, you know, you could talk about chairside very quickly. You could um, reference this book called Breath by James Nestor that talks all about it. Sometimes patients go, you know what? I don't read. I trust you. And that, that's when you become a trusted advisor. And now you've told them, you know what? My husband uh, gets up six, seven times a night and he's not overweight. He doesn't snore, but why is he getting up all the time? But they said now, anytime the brain is getting shallow breaths, it, it says breathe. So it wakes you up. Then you get a drink of water. You start moving around, you breathe more, but you're waking up because the brain is starving. Yes. So you do that for a weekend, a summer, a year, a decade. Now you're having someone who's 40, walking into a room, not sure why they're there. Uh, Everything has to be written down. The GPS stops working, you can't go anywhere because you've never been able to follow directions ever without an artificial aid. So having things like the mouth tape, even though there's there's more to the mouth tape, when you talk to my functional therapy, they they mentioned that you need to have some tongue training exercises. Most people don't don't realize that most people have really lazy tongues from swallowing their food. We don't chew, you know, 20, 30 times anymore. So um, uh, their tongue at rest doesn't stay up on the palate. It hangs down. Um, People miss meals. If you're only eating one meal a day or if you're only only eating for two hours, a two hour window, this whole drape of the neck starts getting loose. And what happens is when you go lie back at night, there's no muscle tone to close. So tapes can be one way, but people need to develop tone down here. 
One way to develop tone is jaw exercises. One way to develop tone is to chew healthier food. food, healthy food like nuts and quinoa and spinach takes more chewing. And you can actually get that tightness back to your neck simply by eating healthier foods. So everything's intertwined. So I'm glad we're going in a few different ways here because something will stick to some people and other people say, you know what? I don't have a problem with that. Other people go, you know what? My sister needs this. You know, my sister needs this. Or you know what? My brother's looking for a hygienist. Can you do his hygiene? So there's so many different ways to value add your service. And when they, I say when patients see that you, you look at them from head to toe, they feel like I'm in the best practice I've ever been in. I feel completely taken care of. My last dentist just tried to do veneers. My last dentist just tried to blah, blah, blah. You're talking breath and um, whatever. They say if they said, I told my husband this, or I told my spouse this uh, two months ago, it's been a changing. He used to be a bear in the morning. Now he's pleasant in the morning. It can save a marriage just by mouth taping or learning that um, his or her tone has been lost. And they need to start eating more meals, more healthier food. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's amazing. You know, dentistry really is a gift we get to give. I had a patient today who came in. I saw him about a month and a half ago and his blood pressure was stroke level high. And I took it three different times. We do sedation in the office. I use the surgical, you know, larger cuff and stroke level high. And I said, I can't treat you like this today. And normally he takes blood pressure medication. And he said, yeah, I just, I kind of got off of that, got out of the the routine. Well, he came back in today and it was so sincere. He said, thank you. I think you've saved my life. Uh-huh. He said, I had no idea that how this was affecting me. And I went to my doctor and he wanted to do a couple of extra medications. And my girlfriend wasn't sure about that. So I saw a second doctor and, you know, now he's on a medication that's got some diuretic aspect to it, but he's, and it's, it's not quite where we want it to be yet, but it is lowering. But he said, I feel so much better. And I had no idea that I wasn't feeling good. And I think that's a lot of position our patients are in is they're just in this fast paced, crazy, busy life. And they just, they're constantly stressed and they don't even know that they're not feeling well. I think the same things happens cognitively, you know, you Mm -hmm. just kind of assume that this is where I'm at and they don't realize the alternative of what they can be. Or exactly. Or like they get used to feel, they think, doesn't everyone is stiff and sore at first in the morning? Doesn't everyone wake up four times a night? Doesn't everyone fall asleep with the TV on? Anything and uh, no, you know, no, they don't sleep with the TV on. So it's up to us to introduce new topics where they are, you know. But I think you can always relate it back to the brain. If, you know, we can talk about brain health here, but if someone's that his heart, you can say, you know what? Healthy heart, healthy brain. He goes, what do you mean? Well, he said, well, the brain, uh, besides being an oxygen hog, it wants great, beautiful oxygenated blood flow. It needs good oxygenated blood flow. If your heart is beating intensely, it starts raising concerns. So when you have cortisol and epinephrine surging to the body, the brain is on high alert. When the brain is on high alert, it reduces down to the amygdala, which is the primitive part, which is fight or flight. It has no idea for long-term planning and being a visionary because all it thinks is in survival mode. So when blood pressure is high, the brain goes, I'm in dinosaur reptilian brain mode. You're not a good person to speak with at dinner time. Uh, you're not going to be the person that's going to have a good connection conversation with a son that needs some delicate subject matter probed. So having that blood pressure down is going to make you a nicer person, but it's also going to give you a healthier brain. So there's nothing that doesn't get helped by having a healthier heart besides the oral tissues. Obviously, we know it's, it's bi-directional, but um, we introduce different subjects at different times. 
wherever a patient is. And you'd be surprised how much they, they love that because, you know, the average doctor, I think is eight minutes. So as a hygienist, anywhere from 40 to an hour yep. doctors, if you're doing big cases, maybe two, three hours, but um, it's amazing what we get inside people that fall asleep during a root canal. Like it's 10 o'clock, 35 year old stockbrokers falling asleep. I'm thinking, how old do you sleep? Oh, I'm okay. I, I had a Red Bull. You're 35 and you, you needed a Red Bull before your day started. I said, you may not be sleeping deep enough, but then you, I can relate that now to the brain because at nighttime, uh, the brain's sewer system is 20, goes into 20 times higher gear at nighttime. It's called the glymphatic system. So during the day, your, your my brain is sorting out. It's getting rid of um, free radicals and uh, uh, oxidative stress. But when we're sleeping, it's 20 times more active. So if I slept eight hours a night and you slept four, I'm going to have a cleaner brain than you. So someone over a year, 10 years, or a lifetime only sleeping four compared to an eight-hour night sleeper is going to have a brain full of beta amyloid plaque and towel tangles. So you start realizing this 35-year-old person is not sleeping well, is also um, has a brain that has more debris in it. Who wants to brag about their brain being more debris filled, especially if they're a stockbroker or a financial advisor? So, and like, I did not know that, you know, so what, what can I do? Well, here's what we can do for you. Um, there's a functional doctor that I work with in the office, or um, um, you ever had a sleep study done? Let's, let's talk to the doctor about a sleep study when he comes in. This is great. I, I came here just to get my teeth whitened because I have a stag this Saturday. And here I am going home with, so, and this is where you start realizing how, and you can talk about the fulfillment is there. Like, you get fulfilled doing dental stuff, but you start getting fulfilled thinking, I'm helping this guy have a better marriage because he's going to be a nicer person sleeping deeper. I want to help this guy be, do better at his financial because he's going to have a better brain for memorizing the stock, the stock or the index prices. So this is where dentistry starts getting uh, exciting and hygiene starts getting exciting. And, then, and people think holistic and wellness-based dentistry is all about changing amalgam to composites or porcelain. It's a small part. This big part is looking at the whole body you know, looking at the whole body. Yeah. The impact that we get to make on someone's true health and wellness, their longevity. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is a roadblock that I'm running into frequently because we do talk a lot about, you know, potential apnea. I always say that, you know, in dentistry, we have a front row seat to see all of these clinical signs. Um, but when you start talking to patients about it, they, they get a little defensive. I, I actually, one of my patients, we have not been able to yet clear all of her pathogens and, you know, she has said, yeah, I actually, I was, I did a sleep study. I do have apnea and I just hate that CPAP machine. You know, I, I can't sleep with that. So, you know, I'm running into this roadblock of knowing that I can work as hard as I can on these pathogens, but with that airway issue going on, we're still going to be fighting this battle is trying to help patients, you know, find a solution for them. That's really going to help because as you know, it's going to change their quality of life too. Mm -hmm. well, that's where you got to start thinking what's their hot button. So if yeah. they don't like, if they don't like how much scaling units they have and how much bleeding they are, even though they say they're flossing or using a power flosser. I can say your immune system is being compromised. And they go, well, what, what, I'm coming to see you. I'm flossing, doing everything. I said, well, that sleep thing. I said, the fact you're not sleeping means your immune system not rebooting every nighttime. So that immune system is not rebooting. And if, if, if I have access to the blood vessels in your mouth and they're fragile and bleeding, how about the blood vessels in your brain? There's a whole system called the circle of Willis. I wonder what those blood vessels are like. And they're like, I never thought of it like that. You know, I'm going to try that at the end tonight of that CPAP. Or I'm going to go back to my doctor, maybe get a different design but I'm going to try harder now. So that's where it gets to be life-saving. You're giving them another reason other than 
it's good for you. When you make it real, like I'm seeing the fragile blood vessels. What are the blood vessels like in your brain? Or how about in your pancreas? Because I will say what's happening anywhere is happening everywhere. Yes. What's happening anywhere is happening everywhere. It's not, blood vessels aren't fragile here. They're probably also fragile around your liver. They're probably also fragile around your, they, they have rosacea or yeah. they have blood vessels that break. So it's amazing how you can tie it in. Like, so we don't have to stick to the mouth. We can say what's happening here is happening everywhere. They're like, never thought of it that way. I want to get refitted or I'm going to try that one more time. Or my husband hasn't worn his in five years. Now you're thinking if you want that guy around and I'll say things like sometimes like, um, you know how you always want to end up in your golden years together, like walking around the Eiffel Tower? I said, um, obviously, people end up in wheelchairs and walkers from accidents. But ask your husband, do you want him to be um, you wheeling him around the Eiffel Tower? What's it like to you're on the camel and he's being pushed beside you? I said, you want to end up at, at the finish line intact together. Um, it's not fair that he's not taking care of himself. He needs to take care of himself so you don't have to take care of him. Oh my God, I got to get like, so there's, you got to, there's a way to circle back and give them power to uh, re-empower a spouse about what they're not doing, but also to give them new knowledge or, or being said in a different way. And that's the gift of constant learning, going to the Bulletproof Summits, you know, reading, listen to the podcast, is learning conversational ways to get people to do stuff in the right direction. Right. How Talk to me about how important hydration is in brain health. Well, football players, and in college, you know, they said if you're down one to two percent in your body weight and uh, being dehydrated, if you're in Atlanta, obviously, and it's it's August or September, or football season starting, you're in it's it's preseason camp, and these two three hundred pound people are sweating and sweating, sweating. Coaches know if you have a player that's one to two percent who's lost a pound or two during a practice, their mental focus and their ability to have reaction time is going to be poor. So and you're thinking, oh, ooch, I don't play football. Well, you're doing crown preps. You're trying to find the MB2 canal. You're trying to navigate in between the frication. You need to be just as lucid as a lineman trying to go and you know protect their, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm on the right, right side. <laughs> a lineman trying to protect their quarterback or trying to sack the other person's quarterback. But that whole idea about you lose mental focus when you're dehydrated. So dehydrated hygienist or dehydrated uh, hygienist is also going to lose focus. You will get distracted. You'll be prepping and going, um, I did this already, or I think I've already counted that tooth already. And that's where patients start realizing, wow, wow you're not as clear as what you were before. Oh, I got to get drink, drinking water. That's the brain wanting to be, uh, to be hydrated. So that's the mental focus and being dehydrated actually lowers your mental focus and lowers your reaction time. Yeah. So I'm thinking through, when we think about people who have a focus for weight loss, We've learned that what works for one person may not work for another person because we mm -hmm. are wired very differently. But do you find that same concept for brain health or does it seem like the the path to brain health is the same for all? Well, there's common foundational principles. Like I think people think, oh, um, I started jogging. I didn't see any difference yet. Well, they've shown if you just start a jogging habit. It takes almost um, eight weeks to start getting that endorphins. So a new beginner that's jogging is just annoying and painful. It takes about eight weeks for the brain to start kicking in dopamine, serotonin, and epinephrine to make you start falling in love with it. So not a, it takes about eight weeks. Just like when you start lifting weights, the first eight weeks is all neuromuscular. Your body is developing that mind-muscle link. So not a, so 
they'll say, why are you so in love with whatever fitness thing you're doing? Well, I've just been doing it for 40 years. My body instantly knows it. It's like, um, it's like a dog that hears his leash. I'm, I'm ready to go. And it takes about eight to 10 weeks for a person to start feeling that same feeling for exercise. But the brain still, it wants glucose at regular levels. It wants good oxygen. It wants your posture up. You know, just people having their posture down in their car. I had a lady today that she goes, oh, I, the last dentist said I need a bike guard. And I said, well, um, you might need a bike guard. I said, but if you're a bad driver, it's like just giving you a helmet or hockey equipment to wear so you don't bang into things. I said, I want to know why you're clenching. I said, it could be what's going on in your life. It could be posture. How, how long do you sit at your desk all day? I sit six hours a day. How many, how many times do you get up to break, uh, to, to break? Well, she goes, three hours. After three hours, I get up. I said, okay. I said, um, your, your 600 muscles are in a saran wrap. There's like a connective tissue sheath or fascia. What it does, it, it starts holding you down and bringing you into a C shape. I said, when you're sitting there trying to work at your computer, a lot of what makes you tired or your neck be sore at the end of the day is the fact that all these little muscles are trying to get blood flow to your brain. Meanwhile, if you sat up properly, the body has an easier time for the diaphragm to lower and the, and the lungs to fill and oxygen to get to the brain. Or ideally, an Australian study said getting up every 30 minutes just to stretch or getting up to refill your, 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 your cup with hot water and lemon is a way to get the oxygen flowing again and getting your lymphatic system flowing again. I said, you know, I'll make you, I'll take an impression like, you know, we'll get you a bike guard. I said, but I'm also get your appointment with a physiotherapist because I want to see what's going on. She goes, done deal. So you, you draw, I draw muscle in besides the dental device. You also need to get the, the physiotherapy in. I mean, if they say something like, oh, I'm a mom, I'm too busy. And I say, I, I love that, that analogy of the Indy 500 Formula One race car. Now, the average car gets their tires changed every six years. In the Indy 500, in a 500-mile race, they'll change their tires every 70 miles. Every 70 miles, they change tires. So a high-performance Formula One race car changes tire every 70 miles in a 500-mile an hour, every 500-mile race. An average Joe car every six years. So if you're a busy mom, if you're a high-functioning dentist, if you're a busy stockbroker, you cannot get inexpensive products. You need the best fuel. You need the best team. Part of your pit crew is your physiotherapist. Part of your pit crew is the massage. Part of your pit crew is to get a good personal trainer. They're like, doc, this is all making sense to me. Why doesn't anyone else say it? I said, well, I just learned to say things in a way that are more convincing. But I want to think of yourself as a prestige auto not as strictly a, an automobile to get to you from point A to point B. That's not what your family wants from you. Doc, I, I'm, I'm gonna, my son, my son's a personal trainer. I'm gonna start getting that ball rolling. So, and it's those explanations that, that I've gotten into that I realized that I wanna get people convinced. It, I don't like just talking as much as, how can I get people to apply it and, and get their vibrational level up to, I'm gonna start that today. I'm gonna call, I'm gonna text my son right now. And you can call them on it, right? You can say, why don't you text her right now? I'm going to go, I'm going to get myself to get some, some water. Why don't you text your son? And then, good idea. So, and that's where you start feeling, wow, I'm a head-to-toe hygienist. Yeah. I'm a head-to-toe hygienist. Yeah. I'm a head-to-toe doctor, you know. So one thing we haven't yet talked about when it comes to brain health is nutrition. We've talked about moving our body and oxygen and glucose and sleep and posture, but where do, how does nutrition play in? Uh, that's a big deal only because now with, with dementia, you know, doubling, there was 5 million people with Alzheimer's back in 2010. They're now predicting that's going to be double by, by 2025. 
And they're thinking along with that road of diabetes going up, like in 1985, there was only um, 30 million diabetics. In the year 2000, there was 150 million diabetics. It went up five times. 2010, it went to 300 million. Now it's at a half a billion or 500 million. Well, Alzheimer's has seemed to creep up at the same time. So what they're thinking is type two diabetes is actually, uh, no, sorry, dementia has now been called type three diabetes. So with the increase in people being insulin resistant, also the brain can be flooded with blood sugar because um, the, um, the pancreas is pumping out insulin to get rid of ambient high levels of blood sugar that happens after a meal. To give you an example, this is actually a book by, by Peter Atia, um, A-T-T-I-A, it's called Outlive. And he said, if, when you think how delicately and how sensitive the body is to blood sugar, um, there's 50,000 miles of blood vessels. So I, I always try and give people crazy numbers. And it's true. If, if we lined up your blood vessels, it could go around the earth twice. So all the blood vessels in your body could go around the earth twice. 95% of the blood vessels in your body are thin little capillaries. Often they can only have one red blood cell go through at a time. That's how much of river of blood you have in your body. Um, in your body, there's only about a teaspoon of uh, sugar or glucose at any one time in the blood. The rest is all in the glucose, sorry, in muscles, in the brain, stored in liver. There's only a teaspoon in those 50,000 miles of blood vessels. To be considered diabetic, it just has to go up a quarter of a teaspoon. That's how this A1C and this blood sugar, that's how finicky our body is. Doesn't It can't go up by two, two teaspoons. It can't go up by a tablespoon. You'll die, a diabetic coma. So one teaspoon is what you have in your body right now. It goes down slightly, you get a little bit of hangry. It goes up too much and it stays up long enough. Guess what? It's um, high A1C and it could be pre-diabetes. Pre so that's how delicate gl glucose your body projects. And that's why this obesity epidemic is also um, uh, correlated with the dementia diabetic. And, and it's not going away any, any way sooner because we're sitting more, becoming more insulin sensitive. We're staying up later, which makes you more insulin resistant. Um, and now with that whole tie into dental, um, we, we now know that people who manage their, their mouth better, people who have tighter gums, tighter tissue, tighter gingiva, also manage their blood sugar better. So um, people think, wow, I may not start working out to manage my blood sugar better, but how about I just start coming in every three months instead of every six months, like my insurance says? Well, that's one way. There's, there's all kinds of studies now, the Journal of American Dental Association show how the minute you manage your mouth better, the gums get tighter, you'll actually manage your blood sugar better. Okay, count me in. And why do they think, hey, I've done something today to manage my blood sugar better. So um, so tying it into nutrition, most people are overeating. You know, um, They think a serving size is what you know uh, some restaurants put out on their plate. And basically it's four serving sizes. So it, it's to relearn serving and relearn mindfulness. And that's a whole other program, obviously. But um, overeating makes uh, the pancreas work too hard trying to get insulin out to try and get that blood sugar back down. And then I think there's the whole aspect of a lot of what is happening with our diet these days. There's a lot of people that are doing a lot of processed foods, which have mm -hmm. all of these chemicals that I feel like, I mean, just common sense makes you think this cannot be good for brain health. Yeah. Well, you think the caveman and cavewoman, exactly right. So you think of the prehistoric man. So two and a half million years ago to about 10,000 when we became when we started going into farming, agri-farming and creating business. So for two and a half million years to 10,000 years ago, all we ate was apple. All we ate was potato. All we ate was grape. Now you look at foods, you know, the, the flavor um, chocolate 
takes 39 chemicals to make. And many times there's no chocolate in it, but it's 39 chemicals. Wow. So we're all running around more like cavemen and cavewomen than we think. There's a book called Sapiens, um, S-A-P-I-E-N-S. And it says, you're my physiology. It's like it was for the last millions of years. You can dress it up with Louis Vuitton and Versace, but you and I are more like cavemen and cavewomen than we know. Our bodies know one ingredient. You have um, uh, uh, some spinach. You have um, an avocado. That's all it knows. You start putting 39 chemicals in and preservatives and emulsifiers and taste enhancers, your body is going, what the hell are you going to my body? And now you're getting fatigued just digesting it and absorbing the nutrients. And you might be getting lots of calories. So you're getting overnutrition, but uh, sorry, overcaloried, but undernutrition. And if the body's not getting the nutrition that it wants, it keeps you snacking. So the reason why you crave is because the body is starving. So just like if you had an avocado, it immediately cuts down your desire to eat a big meal because you've given your bacteria this 10 grams of fiber, which for the last two, three, four million years in human history, we're meant to eat up to 100 grams a day. So those insatiable cravings, what helps keep you, what, what makes you not want to focus on your email is the fact that you're under-nutritionizing your food. So it's cotton candy, it's chips, it's the glass of wine, you know, spiking blood sugar. And the body goes, even though you've eaten a thousand calories, keep searching. You know, after, after I eat a, a, a burger, fries and a shake, I, I'm, I'm still looking for food. Um, and you think, wow, that was a thousand calories because your body is still saying, keep looking for the nutrition. And that's your hypothalamus talking. Wow, that's super interesting. I hadn't thought about that before. Um, one last thing I wanna think about, because I feel like this is an epidemic in itself and I'm seeing so many patients that are coming in, dealing with anxiety, taking a lot of anxiety medications. Um, and you know, we're learning that that is a lot of a, a brain issue as well. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, this has been around for a while. There's actually a, a, a Harvard medical doctor. He's a psychiatrist and a researcher. His name is John Rattay, R-A-T-E-Y. And he wrote a book called Spark. It's been out for 16 years, believe it or not. And it's funny, I have a number of different psychiatrists and doctors as patients. And you, I ask them questions just to fact check them. And many of them know very little about exercise science. Like exercise scientists know about exercise science, but it doesn't translate to physicians, which basically do surgery and do prescriptions. But I have one uh, medical doctor who's a psychiatrist, and he's told me about other books on the brain, Norman Doidge's book called The Brain That Changes Itself. And he said, it's been shown that in England, for mild depression or anxiety, the first line of defense in the UK is they tell you to start a, a simple walking program. So don't just throw Ciprolax on you or don't just throw Effexor or some of these uh, anti-anxiety medications. They have you start a gentle walking program as the first line of defense for um, anxiety once it's been uh, diagnosed. So um, if that's the way it is in the UK. There are doctors here though, talk about regular exercise, but push come to shove though, when a patient starts asking about intensity and duration, medical doctors who aren't trained in that start getting outside their comfort zone and say, you know what, um, why don't you start with this? Why don't you just take this? And we'll talk again in six weeks because unless they're trained in functional medicine, they don't know enough about the science of exercise other than the fact that when you exercise, you get higher serotonin, you get higher dopamine, you get more epinephrine. It helps you sharpen your mood. And there's literally, when you start, this is actually where it starts getting interesting. Um, exercise itself lowers muscular tension. So I haven't exercised today yet. So if I went to bed after this program, even though I'm excited about it, my muscles haven't discharged. Any kind of gentle workout tonight helps to lower muscular tension. 
a lot of people can't sleep at night because their muscles are tense. Like if your muscles are tense, you have higher cortisol. Cortisol is incompatible with melatonin. So the whole idea about a gentle exercise program, some Tai Chi, some simple stretching, maybe some fun dancing in the living room with your partner, um, a gentle yoga class, not a boot camp, you know, CrossFit program at eight, nine o'clock at night, but a gentle exercise class will lower muscular tension and will allow someone's body then to relax and drift off into sleep. Yeah, that's, I had never thought about that before about cortisol wards off, like you can't, it can't cohabitate with melatonin. So yeah. So being worried about a patient, worried about yeah. a child, worried about yeah. if you own four offices, worried about the one you got to get a new manager for. The minute you start that cortisol, and you can't worry about having anxiety or cortisol as, a, as the cortisol goes up. The minute cortisol goes up, the pineal gland starts pumping out less melatonin. And now you might get to sleep because you're exhausted, but you're not going to get to deep sleep. And then most dentists realize, hey, I'm 40 and I look 50 or I'm 50 and I look 60. Well, it's during deep sleep that the body um, heals skin, muscles, ligaments, and tendons. There's a reason why your knee's still aching is because you're not sleeping deep enough. You wake up six times a night because you're mouth breathing. Or you're thinking about those four offices at night. And now you, your body makes mess, less melatonin. So you're thinking, wow, I was in the bed seven hours. But you, ne- you only spent about you know 10% of the night in deep sleep. So that that rotator cuff is still sore. That neck is still stiff. And then you, you, you keep those injuries being memorized into your movement patterns. You know, you move your car. So now your frozen shoulder doesn't hurt as much. And now you're doing things to make your body <laughs> be comfortable, you know, being physically challenged. So this is interesting. This is, as I said, you're asking great questions, but this is stuff the average American, the average Canadian, the average person worldwide who's listening wants to know, you know, yeah. keep it simple. What do I do to move forward? So we talked about a lot of different aspects that we can use to approach better brain health, but I know you feel this way too, that if we give our patients too many things, they get overwhelmed and they just become stagnant and do nothing. So Mm. for our listeners that have listened to this and think how these are some really great points, I need to do many of these things, Mm. but I don't want them to, to walk away going, gosh, that's too much. My question to you is, where would you start? If you're if you're going to say, you know what, I, I like this, this makes sense. I really want to, my goal to be, I want to be smarter. I want to focus better. I want to live longer and not think about dementia in the future. Where, what would be, is there a hack to start with first that you're going to yeah. see the, the most bang for your buck? Yeah, I love that. I love the way you want to get people to get, yeah, how do we get people going? We're talking philosophical, what's application? I love that about you. But I really think though, it is, Mouth taping sounds pretty easy. Low bar of entry, right? Mouth tape. You get some 3M surgical tape, $4, $5. You got to wrap it around your whole head? No, we're talking just an inch piece. <laughs> if you got a beard, it gets a little more complicated. So be careful if you have a goatee. But I would start looking at mouth taping. Um, one thing that you do is just, if anyone's watching, Google mouth taping. Google sleep benefits of mouth taping. And that could be their takeaway. The minute you start reading about it, you're thinking like, They've known this for a hundred years. There was a guy, I think his name was, I'm not sure, I'm not sure his medical doctor or a writer. His last name was Catlin. And he went across the US in 1860. And he was talking about the healing power of breathing in through your nose. So we're talking 160 years ago. So as a dentist, again, this is kind of annoying. I thought I was cutting edge and I've never heard of mouth taping. Well, it's been around for 160 years, but it's never too late. You know, if, you're, if you, your rotator cuff still hurts, you walk into an operatory, you don't know why you're there. You need to re-gear. You need to retool that brain of yours. 
Because if you're 40 and you want to work until you're 60, you have another 20 years with the same brain, you know. So mouth taping could be a, a great place to start. Google mouth taping benefits. There's companies that sell specific mouth tape. There's one called, it's kind of funny, it's called hostage tape. I know yes. you And I'm like... <laughs> Hostage tape sounds so violent, you know, like. Uh, yes, I had a so, patient. I had a patient in my chair that I was talking to him about it. And then while I was cleaning, he's Googling it. And he's like, he looked it up on Amazon. He's like, is this it? Hostage tape? And I cracked up. So it's black. They should sell more beautiful colors, maybe purple or blue. And you can buy the hostage eye mask. So here you are, you know, you've, you've kidnapped your spouse wearing the hostage. And I bet you they also have the handcuffs too. They have the, the hostage handcuffs. That's a whole other podcast. But um, but yeah, it's a soft, spongy mouth tape. And again, you can buy the container. You can buy a year's supply. Hey, just get the 30-day one. You know, get the low bar of entry. Yeah. Just buy a trial. See if you like it. But it could start. And again, we're not we're not promoting hostage tape. But hostage tape is one way to get a pre a pre-made form. But some people get nervous, so that's where tape comes in. Tape goes in the center, so you can still get air in here if it's going to make you panic that first few nights. But when you see people talk about the benefits of mouth taping, they're like, I've never felt this lucid. I'll I'll do it maybe again. I would think tomorrow I want to do something really hard or I'm going to be in Vegas with a Bulletproof. I'm thinking I need to be in charge. I'll bring tape with me and I'll do it. And I'm thinking I've never felt so lucid. Like I've never felt so lucid. And here I am, a lucid guy. And I'm talking, that's one night. So, um, so I'm thinking mouth tape could be an easy way for someone to Google make the commitment, give it a try, and then maybe get back to us or get back to you. And um, something a whole office could try together. That could be the next huddle, if they're talking about a huddle. Easy thing for a dentist to buy or if you're an independent hygiene practitioner, get it for your team. Um, talk about the feedback together. Um, this is where it starts getting fun, like getting healthier seems more fun when you're trying things out with a low bar of entry. Yeah. I feel like we do need to give a disclaimer though, because I do say this to my patients. If you try mouth tape and you feel like you got to rip that off within a few minutes, then it's time for a sleep study because there may be some apnea stuff going on. There may be some issues with, you know, sure. the, the nasal function and, and that sort of thing. So just disclaimer, if it doesn't work for you, dig a little deeper. Okay. I can see, I see why Dr. Peter likes you because you're, you're thinking about these things. So yeah, all the disclaimers, all the ethical part, the legal part. And again, people can have a deviated septum. Yes. I, Again, if someone's a mouth breather during the day, the nose gets underutilized. Just like when you have a cast on your arm, the muscle gets smaller. If someone never breathes through their nose, their, the, the, the mucus lining is thick. They're not able to go move air through. I just read the other day, there's 60 feet of mucosa layers before it reaches your, your stomach, 60 feet. Wow. If you're a mouth breather, you miss that 60 feet. You get, you get four feet of it, or no, I say two feet of it. So um, that's, it warms up, it moistens the air, it increases nitric oxide. But if someone's got an underutilized nose, it's gonna be under-functioning. So right. it might take a while. It might take wearing it for a bit, trying it out. Or as I said, a sleep study. Like um, we're not diagnosing anything. People may need to start with a sleep study if they have issues. And that's, that's where that you, that you talked in. So try things. But again, if you're really concerned, really worried, get a sleep study. People say, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. When you think of the cost of dementia or the cost of losing your spouse, I think they're saying two thirds of all people who have strokes um, have obstructive sleep apnea. So um, the two to $3,000 sleep study test, it, it's better for you than buying a new hot tub. People talk about, oh, I got myself a $10,000 mattress. I got myself a $4,000 hot tub. Um, how about $3 uh, tape or 
talk to your doctor about possibly making it happen for you to get a sleep study. Let's see where your brain is. I said, because how you sleep is your brain's report card. Yeah. People go, oh my God, never look that way. And I'll tell you, I've run into many patients who, when I suggest that their, their barrier is like, I don't have time. I don't have time to go sleep somewhere else. I don't feel like I would sleep well. There is a great website, uh, sleepstudy.org. And you okay. can actually order a home sleep test. It oh. uses the little watch pad. It's less than $200. Okay. And it's not a, you know, a big game certified sleep study, but I always say, Hey, start there, start mm. there, see what your results are. If you've got some things that are concerning, then go do the deeper, bigger study. Mm -hmm. So that's a great yeah. place to start too. It's, it's nice when you give them resources too, because it looks like you're really like, you're just a wealth of information. Again, it's that trusted guide for right. health, you know, but I think people have to realize the value of sleep. You know, when they talk about um, Halle Berry, uh, J-Lo, they all talk about eight hours. Roger Federer, nine hours. M uh, Michael Phelps, 11 hours. LeBron James, the number one scorer in the NBA history, said his secret weapon is not his dunk. It's not his family. He said his secret weapon is his sleep. So um, whatever it takes to start letting patients know the value of sleep. So if it's good enough for LeBron James to get to 40,000 points, and you own three financial service centers, sir, you can't afford not to get a sleep study, you know? So there's ways that you got to find out what someone's hot button is. Are you a new dad? Or if someone says, wow, I'm 60. I just had a new baby with my second wife. I'm going to be, you know, 70 when my kid's 10. You need a better brain. I think it's time to wear that CPAP machine and maybe get a new sleep study because it was four years ago when you got that last one. So, and that's where you start thinking, what's their hot button? You know, you talk about mommy brain and your kids are now 18 years of age. You know, mommy brain is a good excuse when your kids are two, not when your kids are 18. Right. So um, that ability to, to poke people in a gentle, non-judgmental non way and say, hey, I've been there. I used to brag how little sleep I got. And then I got out of second grade. Doc, I thought you were perfect. I'm still on my own journey. Now you're getting down to, hey, I'm just like you. I got to develop my pit crew to teach, to treat my body like a high performance Formula One race car, sir, you deserve it, you know? So, so many ways to talk brain health and it it ties into the mouth. Like if, if you, hygienists might say, oh, my doctor talking about brain health, what's that got to do with hygiene? We, we talked how they can loop in, you know, they, they fall asleep during scaling. You're tired, you know, you're tired, sir. So now these are good questions. I, I like the way this went and it's, uh, yes. and it was unscripted, but this is conversational. This is what people need to know chairside. Yes, this was so fun, Uche. And, you know, listeners, I told you he was fantastic. I have to tell you, because I know you're all about people taking action, that I'm walking away from this. One of my, I think my number one thing is going to be, I have, I really struggle with hydration because I just go, go, go seeing patient, patient, patient. So I think that's going to be something that I'm really going to be focusing on in these next several weeks is increasing my hydration. And look how sharp you are now. You start drinking more water. Um, <laughs> It'll be Sharissa for Congress or, uh, you know, for, for governor, you know. So I'm serious. So like people think I'm functioning here. Um, do you have to be, do you have to get a degree to function better? Hydrate to function better. Um, sleep deeper. I can have a better memory. There's so many ways that don't cost surgery or an extra medication to make our bodies work better. And I always say many people look at the body as an enemy. If you start treating it better, it can become your best friend again. Yes. And, uh, and that's, I think, how we should end it there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, your brilliance, your passion. Um, you. It is contagious and we really, really appreciate your time. So um, you guys, where are you going to be next? Where can people find you? Um, I'm not sure when you're gonna, this is going to air. I'm at CDA North, so in San Jose. So I'm going to do six sessions at uh, in San Jose, CDA North, uh, beginning of September. I'm in Colorado. I'm at the ADA SmileCon. I'm doing four programs. I'm gonna, I am gonna. think I'm going to meet up with uh, uh, Dr. Spodak. He's got a podcast going on in Orlando. So I'm doing four programs there. I'm doing two hours of cooking, how to cook for microbiome health. So uh, I'll be flipping a frying pan and putting all these gut-friendly things in, in the recipe book. So I really attack the body in many different angles. Like I might be a dentist, but um, I, I remember Dr. Oz talking about doctore means teach. So I like to teach people all the time. And the best way, as you said, not just teach them things, help them apply it. So you make it like, what can they take away from this? Like enough getting them motivated. What can they take away? So I like you, you kind of got me back to, Ooch, let's get them back to the sidelines. Or how do we get them to take action? So I, I applaud you for that. Awesome. Well, if you haven't had a chance to meet Uche in person, you got to do it. Go find him. Uh, follow him on Instagram and Facebook. He has phenomenal posts all the time that are great things like this, that are tips and tricks you can do. Very easy things and very motivating. So thank you for all you do for the dental community, the health world. We appreciate you and you are needed on this planet. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Whatever you see in me, I'm like a mirror. Everything you see in me, I basically reflecting all your greatness back to you. So right back at you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you for catching us this week. We will see you next time. Everybody have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.